Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning, True North. How are we doing? Thank you, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, right, any of you out there have teenage daughters, right? Yeah, kind of kind of accurate, right? Like, mothers and daughters is such a weird thing. Like, as teenagers, you're all, like, yelling at each other, and by the time you're, like, 30, it's like, I love you, I love you, like, everything changes. Um, I have a teenage daughter as well, so that's kind of accurate, and she's going to be out here at some point. She will not be happy with me for saying that. Um, so, uh, like Daniel said, my name is Bobby. I am one of the pastors here. Uh, welcome this morning to True North Church. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you all. Um, I know for many of you, this day can be a mix, right? There might be some grief and some sadness and some happiness. Um, my mom passed away a couple years ago, so I'm missing her today. So I see you if you are out there. Um, maybe you are hoping to have children you haven't been able to. Um, so I know this day comes with a whole bunch of different mixed bags. But just know that God sees you, we see you, and he loves you very much regardless of what this day feels like for you. Amen? Now, um, last week, okay, in the, in the past couple weeks, we've been, we've been talking about this idea of our mouths, right? We're in, we're in week three of this sermon series, Me and My Big Mouth. So the past couple weeks, if you've been with us, we've learned that our, our mouths and that our words are powerful, right? There's power in our words and the way we speak. And our words are, are powerful um, because they have shaped us, right? The words that are spoken to us and over us as kids, as adults, and growing up and going through life, they've shaped us and they've kind of determined the course and direction of our lives, right? Words have a lot of power. And Words are especially powerful, we've learned, in other people's lives, that you have power to speak things into other people's lives to set the course and direction of their lives for good or for bad. And where, where we kind of left off last week is, is with this kind of a uh, little bit of an unsettling thought, right, that our mouths are completely unpredictable, right? Uh, James, in the book of James, he tells us how unpredictable our mouths are and that we need to put some sort of guard there and we need to, to some sort of warden to protect the things that are coming out of our mouths, right? Because it's just, it's just this constant onslaught that rushes to the front that we need to stop these things at the gate because we can say things that, that really derail our lives and other people's lives. And, and James kind of left us with this thought, right? This thought that for the rest of our lives, as believers, for the entire rest of our lives, we are going to have to be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? And there was some, like, hand motions with that, right? It was like, quick to listen, slow to speak. You guys all remember that? Yes, we're awake. We, the hand, like, rock, paper, scissors without the scissors, right? We did that whole thing. Um, so that is where we are at this morning. So if you've been with us the past two weeks, how many, how many of you guys have that down at this point? You guys good? You didn't say anything stupid this week? No? You're good? I mean, I'm good, right? I'm good. I'm, I'm speaking on this stuff this morning. So I, I got this down. Plus, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor now. So everything's great. I got this all under control, right? No, 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 no. No, whatsoever. In fact, um, funny story, not so funny story, right? This, this week, this week, as I'm preparing the sermon, I don't know, for some reason, what God likes to do with me, whether I'm prepping for a sermon or after I deliver it, he just likes to give me some real-world hard examples to deal with as I'm going through it. So um, this past weekend, um, I was away in Florida for a couple days. I flew down there to uh, celebrate the 40th birthday party of one of my friends. And my wife, Jill, great wife, so wonderful. She's like, yeah, you go. I'll stay home with the kids. You know, I'll do, they were in school and they have all their activities. So she kind of held down the fort while I was away for a bunch of days. Now, 
Um, important to note, before I left, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling so hot. I had a little bit of a cough. I'm like, oh, should I go on this trip? I took a COVID test. I was fine. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. So I flew down to Florida. And then over those next few days, I started just feeling a little bit worse and a little bit worse. By the time I got on the plane to come home and I got up in the air, in the air, like my, the pressure just kicked in and both my ears shut off. My head was pounding. It was like coming out of my eyes. It was, it was terrible. I just had this monster sinus infection that I, I had to go to the doctor for when I got home. But it's important to note when I got home after being away for four days, I was feeling really guilty because I was on this trip. I was away and now I come home and I'm sick and I'm just like completely useless to my wife and to my family. I can't really do much and I'm just feeling all this guilt. So Monday night at dinner, Jill and I are having dinner, and after dinner, as I usually do, I start cleaning up, cleaning up the table, washing the dishes, and Jill looks at me, and my wife looks at me, and she says, Bobby, you had such a long weekend, and now you're not feeling so good. What are you doing? Why don't you just sit down and go rest? That's what she said, but here's what I heard in my stupid mind, right? This is what I heard. I heard, oh, you've been away for four days, partying up, having fun with your friends, and now you're back here, and you're sick, and you're completely useless. You can't even clean the dishes. That's what I heard, but that's not what she said. Now, if you know my wife, Jill, uh, which some of you do, some of you don't, but I know my wife, my wife does not mix words. She never, ever mixes words. She always means what she says. And if she said, like, I want you to rest, like, she was really concerned about me. She wanted me to rest, but that's not what I heard. So after she said that to me, you know what I said? You know what came out of my stupid, untamed mouth? You have any idea? I looked at her, I said, I said, oh, no way, I'm falling for that one. I'm cleaning these dishes. And she looks at me, just looks at me with her eyes, and she says this. She didn't say it, but this is what her eyes said. You know, that look you get where she's like, I don't know what's going on here, this whole thing, what's going on with you or what you're ticked off about, but I don't have any time for it. I ain't going to deal with it. So she looks at me and she says, well, if you're going to continue to clean things, I'm going to go for a walk. And she put her jacket on and went out the door and walked around the block. And at that point, I was like, you, my friend, are a complete and utter imbecile. Good job, right? Why did that come out of my mouth? What was I thinking? And then, of course, she came home, and, you know, I had to apologize, and she forgave me. Yes, you're an idiot. I'm used to this. Like, we get it. I, I forgive you, right? But the point being, the point being is that this never ends. Like, it never ends for us. Like, we're always, we're going we're gonna to constantly struggle with this thing with our mouths. So in the first two weeks, and forgive me, I'm going to be drinking water like a madman this morning because I'm still a little under, under the weather. But um, the first two weeks we heard from James, right, Jesus' brother. This week we're going to look at, in regard to our mouths, what the Apostle Paul has to say about what we're to do with our mouths and our speech. Now, many of you are probably familiar with the Apostle Paul, but in the chance you're not, um, Paul didn't start out his life as Paul. He started his life out as Saul of Tarsus, okay? And Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee, right? He was one of these religious elite that Jesus often spoke against. And Saul did not live in Jerusalem. He actually lived far north of Jerusalem. But once he got wind that this Christian movement was starting, once Jesus rose to de from the dead and these, this, this like started kicking off, he wasn't having any of it, okay? He was like, this, this knockoff Jewish religion that's coming up, I'm, I'm gonna put in, I'm gonna single-handedly squash this thing and put it out. So he goes down to Jerusalem and he meets with the religious leaders. He says, look, I'm going to take care of this. Give me permission. They give him permission to go all around the whole area and round up all these Christians, drag them back to Jerusalem, put them on trial, torture them, imprison them, and then oftentimes execute them, right? This is Saul of Tarsus. This is who he was. If there was like an enemy in the narrative, like Saul of Tarsus was it. He's the Darth Vader. He's the Voldemort. He's the Sauron, whatever. He is the enemy in the narrative. But as you know, 
Saul has a conversion experience, right, on the road to Damascus. Uh, the term blinded by the light, that's where we get that term from. It's from Paul's story. So on the road to Damascus, he's going to persecute some Christians, and he's traveling down there, and he has an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ. Knocks him over and blinds him, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul has this conversion experience, and he later, his name is changed to Paul. And now instead of, instead of doing what he set out to do to destroy this church and, and squash this whole movement, he becomes one of the biggest propagators of Christianity, right? He travels all around the Mediterranean to all these port cities, and he starts planting church here, a, plant, a church there, and he's just spreading this thing, right? It's amazing how God works, how he can take someone and just completely change them around. And this was Paul's experience. So, uh, we are going to read this morning uh, from a letter that Paul wrote to one of these churches that he established to the church in Ephesus, and and we're going to unpack what Paul has to say, but um, James, right, James kind of left us hanging last week in the past couple weeks. He kind of he kind of just left us with this thought of like, okay, here's the thing, guys. Like, your tongue is evil. The mouth is evil. It's all poison. Like, it corrupts the body. It's set on fire by hell. Mama Fratelli was right about it. Guys, 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 guys. Not, nothing? Nothing? Mama Fratelli, Goonies, mouth, tongue, you but no? All right. Either, either I'm getting too old or, like, you guys just don't know what good cinema is, so... You can all deal with that. And by the way, I'm, I, same thing happened at the last service. I'm going to pound that joke until I get a left. I don't care. We're, we're just going to keep, you know, the next service is in trouble because we're, we're going to sit here for a while. <laughs> so um, anyway, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 14, we're going to look at that right now. And this is Paul. He's writing to the Gentiles uh, that, of this church in Ephesus. Okay, when I say Gentiles, um, these were are Christians now, but they, they formerly came out of a pagan religion. Okay, and this is what Paul has to say, uh, starting in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So let's, let's pause here for a second, okay? This is Paul saying to the church in Ephesus, okay, look, here's the thing. This old life you used to live, this culture, this culture that you're a part of, you can't be a part of that culture anymore, okay? This is not how you are to live your lives anymore. You need to separate yourself from this culture. Now, what was, what was this culture? What is the culture that he's talking about? So Ephesus is a Greek city, right? And, and the Greeks, okay, they believed in a pantheon of gods, right? Many, 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 many gods. And you remember this from high school or college or wherever you studied, the Greek and Roman gods, right? They were all out for themselves. They were constantly, like, toying with people and having, like, half man, half little baby gods and stuff, cutting each other in half and, and doing all these horrible things to each other. And that was the culture of the day, okay? So, so these... These former pagans, okay, the for, this, they're Christians now, this religion they used to have, this paganism, it wasn't associated with any type of morality. There was no morality in the pagan religion. There was no, like, real set of code by which they lived their lives by, 
right? And as Christians, right, as, as believers, like we believe the things that Jesus said, we, we kind of, we, we have this morality, we have this code of how we treat people, right? How we treat each other, how we treat our spouses, how we treat the sick, how we treat the poor, how we treat the, the widows. We live by this morality, but they did not have that, so they're coming out of that. And Paul continues in, in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned, this former life, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So he's telling again, this old pagan life, what you learned, we're going to put this aside, this old culture, right? You're not going to be like the gods. You are now going to be like God, like Jesus. And Paul continues in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, Paul's saying here, you're going to put off the way of these old gods, right? You're going to put this off, and you're going to do away with these deceitful desires that you have. Do you know what a a deceitful desire is? You know what it is. You just, you might not have a, a term for it. So, a deceitful desire is a desire that you have that promises you something, okay, and then never comes through on that promise. You've been there, right? There's, there's been times in your life where like, if, if I just get to that thing, if I obtain that thing, if I obtain that level of income, if I get that position, if I get with this person, if, if I have that relationship, then I'm gonna be content, then I'm gonna be fulfilled, and everything's gonna be great. But once you get there, it's all right for a little while, but then, then that desire, it fails to deliver on the promise, and you're just kinda left empty, and you're like, why isn't this working out? And then what happens? What does that deceitful desire do? It whispers in your ear, right? It says, next time, next time. You didn't get it this time, right? But here's the problem. Like, you, you just didn't get enough. You need to get more. Go get more, and the next time you'll be satisfied, right? The relationship, it didn't work out this time, but it wasn't on you. It was that other person. Go find someone else and, and now work on that, and then once you get there, it just never, ever delivers. That's what a deceitful desire is that Paul's talking about. And then he continues on, right? And he says, <clears throat> put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul's saying, you won't be like the gods, okay? You will be like God, like Jesus, like this God who has called you to address him as heavenly father, okay? A, a God who sent his son to, as a sacrifice to die for your sins because he loved you, right? This God, he's not gonna toy with you. He's not gonna play with you like these other gods did. He, he is a God who's a loving father and he refers to us as sons and daughters and has, has entered us into, right, his family. That's what Paul is saying to them. Now, um, Paul's going to give us some specific applications, right, especially how we're to behave and how they're to put these things off, especially as it relates to our mouths. And in verse uh, 29, Paul says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'm going to stop there for a second. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. This word unwholesome, okay, in, in the Bible, and the scripture, originally in Greek, the Greek meaning of this word, unwholesome, that's translated into English, they use that word to describe the smell of rotting fish or rotting fruit or disgusting, deteriorating, just dirty sandals. It was like this, this putrid thing. It was a word to describe putrid things. So Paul's saying, like, don't, don't let this garbage, don't let this, this stuff come out of your mouth. Don't let this unwholesome, disgusting filth come out. So the next time, like, you're talking to someone and they're saying something that just doesn't seem right or they're being overly critical, whatever, you can just give them that, that kind of face, like, ugh, you know? 
And some of you are really good at doing that already, and you don't need any practice. I've had those conversations. <laughs> um, so th- this, is, this is what Paul is describing here. And now Paul isn't saying, he's not just saying to them, like, hey, just tell the truth. Like, make sure you tell the truth. That's not what he's saying. Like, they know. Like, people know. You know you're supposed to tell the truth. Even the pagans knew they're supposed to tell the truth. He's saying, no, you need to go beyond that, okay? You need to put a guard here in front of your mouth so that nothing bad comes out of it, right? Like, he says, do not let. Do not let any, any unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. Don't let it, right? So that means you're in charge. Like, you have the power. You have the power to stop these things that are coming out of your mouth before they come out. And some of you all, including myself, like, we just need some bigger bouncers because the bouncers in your mouth, they're all skinny, and they don't know how to fight, and they just get ran over every time something comes to your mind, right? You need the big guys that know what they're doing to hold people back, right? That, that's, <laughs> that's what Paul is kind of saying here. And now... So this is, this is Paul telling us what not to say, right? He's telling us how to, how to guard our mouths. But he's going to go on, and he's going to be like, okay, here's the thing. Like, there's actually some stuff that you do want to say. There's going to be some things that need to come out of your mouth. So he continues. Okay, don't let any unwholesome things come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, that it may benefit. So, so here's the thing. Paul's saying, okay, Those words that rush the gate initially, those words that are coming out real fast, those are the ones you got to stop. You got to stop and don't let them through. But there's actually going to be some words that come after that that are actually going to be helpful to people, that are actually going to be good to build them up. And those are going to be the words like you checked at the gate, right? So when we say like slow to speak, it's like those words come up and you've examined them. Like, you've taken a look. You look through their purses. You check their suitcases. You went through the x-ray machine. There's no dynamite in there. Like, you're not going to blow anybody up. Those are the type of words that Paul says we want to let out of the gate, the ones that are for building other people up. But let's not miss this here. Let's not miss it. Paul's not saying be nice. He's not just saying be nice to everybody. It's a good thought, but that's not what he's saying. Being nice isn't always helpful. Paul is saying, let's be helpful to people. And sometimes being helpful to people means saying the hard things, right? It's not all about just let make everybody feel nice and feel good. A lot of times that's not helpful for people. Sometimes hard things need to be said. So <clears throat> there are some of you out there where you're just very timid and you're, you're kind of afraid of upsetting people and there are some things you feel like need to be said that are going to be helpful but they might be hard to hear and you're afraid to say them so you don't say them. You all need to dial it up. And now listen to me. If, if you just heard what I said now, and in your mind, like, your, your immediate inner monologue was like, yeah, amen, brother. Like, there's a bunch of people. I just, I got to tell them what for, you know? And I've been thinking about this stuff, and this person needs to hear that. Like, that's not you. That was not for you whatsoever. You're already at 11, right? You're already there, right? You all need to dial it back. You, there's no dialing up for you if that was your, your thought process. But if you're sitting there, and you're like, yeah, you know, I really, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to say the hard things. Well, you know, Paul is telling us we want to be helpful to people in our conversations. Your words, okay, your words are supposed to be helpful according to the people that you're talking to. Paul says, I want you to build each other up. I want you to treat every conversation like a construction site. He's using these words of building, right? Build each other up. So, so every conversation you have should be an opportunity to, to leave someone better off than they were before they interacted with you, right? 
So you're leaving that construction site, you're leaving that conversation, and people are walking away from it, better for having talked to you, right? This is the way of Jesus, like this is the gospel. We need to be giving, and not just, not just like giving in our deeds and, and, and you know, how, how we operate, but giving, giving in our conversations. We even need to be giving in our conversations and not taking, which is not the default because we want to talk about us and our stuff and not so much other people, right? So, can you imagine for a second what it would look like in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships, in our church relationships, like if that mode of talking was typical, right? If typically we were just always looking to say something that was going to be of benefit to the other person, you can. You can imagine it. It, it, it would be beautiful, right? It would be, you would want to be around those people because they are constantly have your interests at mind. They're constantly giving and not self-serving. So, Paul continues on. In verse 30, Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, big, big spiritual term, right? It's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's actually pretty simple what that means in the context of what Paul is talking about. When Paul says here, right, he's talking about our mouths, he's talking about our words, he's talking about building each other up, and, and then he says, you know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit with your words. And what does that mean? That means don't say anything to anybody else in a conversation that God is going to look down and look at your conversation and he's going to look at your words and say, why would you say that? Why would you say that to this person, this person who I love, this person that I died for, and maybe God is starting to construct some things in their life, and you're coming in there like a bull in a china shop, and you're just knocking everything down that God's trying to establish. That's what Paul means by don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's just really that simple. Don't undo what God is doing in someone else's life. It grieves him. And then we're going to see now that now, Paul kind of stops. He's going to pause for a second. It's almost like he has this, this inner dialogue with himself as he's writing this letter. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm telling everybody what they need to do, what they need to keep in, what they need to let out. But, you know, people are they're going to struggle with this. They're, it's not going to be easy. They're going to struggle with it because, because there's, there's a root cause of things as to, as to why bad stuff comes out of our, our mouths, right? It's like, you know, if you have a tendency to, like, escalate conversations, like, why do you do that, right? If, if you're someone who often walks away from a conversation, like, why, why would I say that? Where did that come from? Paul, Paul is going to address that now because he wants us to be builders and not demolishers. So he says this, get rid, this is verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. So, Paul says get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. And that doesn't mean stop it. He's not saying, like, stop being bitter. He's saying get rid of it. He's saying take all that bitterness that you have and put it in a bag and tie it up and go and leave it somewhere else. Go and leave it by the curb. Because for most of us, right, Bitterness, bitterness is something that's, that's it, it, it kind of, if we're bitter, it seeps into our words, not, not what we're saying, but the tone of our voice, the volume in which we speak, the, the, the facial expressions that we make, all that bitterness seeps into our conversations. And 
Paul is saying that the antidote here, how you get rid of this bitterness, is through forgiveness. Because bitterness, for most of us, it got there because of, of negative things that were spoken to us or about us over our lives. Growing up or when we were young adults, all, all the negativity, it makes us bitter. And then we don't realize it, but that bitterness seeps into our conversations, right? And maybe, <laughs> maybe, excuse me, <clears throat> maybe, right, growing up, you grew up in a home where there just wasn't a lot of positive talk, there wasn't a lot of positive reinforcement, it made you bitter. Maybe you were in a marriage where everything you did or said was wrong, right, and it, it put bitterness inside of you. Maybe it was so far back, maybe you were a kid on the playground, and, and kids can be cruel, right? I mean, there are things that, there are things at 46 years old, things at 46 years old that stick with me that people said to me. And, and sometimes I'll remind my, my friends from, from school, I'll be like, hey, remember when this happened to me? And they're like, what, what on earth are you talking about? I don't, I don't remember that whatsoever. But they stick with us, right? Those things stick with us. Our words matter, right? Words that were used to take from you. And we bring those wounds and that bitterness into our relationships that we have now. And we wrestle with bitterness because we're trying to pay someone back that doesn't deserve it because we can't pay back the ones that do. So we have to forgive. We have to forgive. We have to make that decision to give someone else what they don't deserve, and they probably don't deserve your forgiveness, but we also didn't deserve God's, right? So we have to freely give that forgiveness to those that hurt us. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you have to deal with this stuff, right? The bitterness, the rage, the anger, the slander, as Paul says. If you're not careful, what was taken from you, from someone else, is going to pay, your ba- pay you back in the relationships you have today with your spouse, with your kids, with your grandkids. So forgive whoever you need to forgive. Box it up and leave it at the curb. And yeah, maybe those people don't deserve your forgiveness whatsoever, but we didn't deserve the forgiveness that God extended to us, right? So we need to be Christ to other people and give to them what was given to us. Now, I want you to ask yourselves this question this morning, okay? And the question is, where do I need to do some work in this area? Where do you need to do some work in this area of your mouth? And who out there hopes to God that you get to work real soon? Hmm? Is there someone out there that's, that's hoping that you get to work on this real soon? Because it's crazy, right? It's crazy because with our words, we, we, we hurt the people that are closest to us most often. Isn't that nuts? It's nuts that the people that we love the most, we tend to hurt the most. And that just shows you that, like, the problem, it lies with us. It's not with the other person. It lies with inside us, and we have to care for it. It's our problem, not theirs. And let, let me say this. Um, if you are someone that is overcritical, right, and you probably know if you are or you aren't, if, if, you're, if you're someone who sarcasm, right, you use sarcasm and it's, it's just kind of the way you are and it's the way you talk, like know this, that like harsh criticism and sarcasm has never, ever, ever built anybody up. It only tears down. It only destroys. And sometimes we think we're being witty or funny or joking around, but it's, it's actually just demolishing things in people's lives. Dads, dads out there, 
Okay, if, if you're being sarcastic with your son, sarcasm is not going to make your sons tougher. It's just going to make it tougher to connect with your sons. Moms, if you think that sarcasm is building something up and building strength in your daughter, it's not. It's just going to make it harder to connect with your daughters. Okay? We need to be encouraging each other. We need our words to speak life to people, to, to our friends, to our children, to our parents, to whoever it is. God, Paul is saying here that we need to be builders. We need to give because Christ gave to us. We need to be giving and we need to be building and we need to be constructing and not tearing down. Speak to everyone else as your heavenly Father has spoken to you with love and kindness and compassion and forgiveness. So, this week, and I know it's hard, but let's forgive who we need to forgive. Let's be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's put that bouncer at the, the end of our, of our mouths, right, and make sure that they're equipped to handle what's coming forward. Let's say the things that need to be said when they need to be said. Let's treat every conversation like a construction site leaving people better off for having encountered us. And let's forgive those we need to forgive and put that bitterness at the curb and leave it there. So, you know, some, sometimes it, you know, it, it can seem like a very religious thing to do, but, um, you know, if I could leave you with anything this morning, sometimes it's just important that we kind of get Scripture into us. We get these words of the apostles, the words of Jesus into us. And I would challenge you guys, like, to try and memorize uh, Ephesians 4.29. Um, I haven't done that yet because I'm going to read it for you, but uh, I will get on that as soon as possible, I, I promise. Um, <laughs> but in Ephesians 4.29, Paul says this. Let's try and commit this one to memory. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then next week, we're going to wrap up this series um, with one of the, the greatest stories ever told, and we're going we're gonna to end uh, this series about how, right, we control our mouths. Amen? Would you guys pray with me this morning? Jesus, Lord, thank you um, for this day, Lord. Thank you uh, for your people that have gathered here, Lord Jesus. Lord, um, thank you for your teaching, God, that sometimes is difficult to hear, Lord, but, but that we know is beneficial to us, Lord. I pray for everyone in this building, Lord. I, just, I pray that this, this teaching would get into us, Lord, that you would help us to put those guards at our, our mouths, Lord God, that we would be known, that this church would be known for people who speak life into each other, who, whose, whose sole intention is to build each other up and, and not tear each other down, Lord. Lord, that we would say the hard things when they need to be said because we know they need to be said and we know that they are going to build something in other people, Lord. I pray for everyone as they leave this room this morning, Lord. Lord, I, I, I know today can be a great day for some and a rough day for others, Lord, but you say that you are with us in our happiness, in our grief, and for some of us today, it's kind of a mix of both. So wherever we are, Lord, I just pray a blessing on your people this morning that they would know that you are with them, that they are loved, Lord, and that, that love would spill out of us and go forth into other people. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online 
at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.